another pitfall people like trap people fall into is they feel like they need to have data for everything and it's like we we understand you don't have data for everything that's just not a reality but give me as the if i'm interviewing you give me something in terms of you know how how can i believe as a total stranger right here that what you did was successful Hi, you're listening to On the Cusp of Your 30s, and I'm your host, Katie. Let's navigate the chaos of adulting in this dynamic stage of life. Today, I'm having a conversation with friend and former mentor, Jake. He is a recruiting leader and has led hundreds of interviews. After experiencing the tech layoffs this year, he's redirected his energy to reset and help other job seekers with his interviewing insights on LinkedIn. And I'm excited to share with you our chat. We catch up a little bit and we have a fun conversation about his career reflections and best interview tips. So let's get to it. So Jake, welcome. And I'm going to have you introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Jake. And uh, yeah, my background is not. So I, I grew up on the East Coast and I moved out to the West Coast eight years ago to work at Amazon. Moved out here on a contract, started as a recruiting coordinator. And then I uh, was at Amazon for the last seven years, done a lot of different jobs in recruiting, manager, uh, you know, headhunter, and a couple other jobs, people outside of recruiting wouldn't know what they mean, uh, and then was impacted by the layoffs in January. So then this year, just been kind of traveling around a lot and hmm. just taking a break. Uh, Jake and I, we met a couple years ago while I was working at Amazon. What was your impression of me when we worked together, <laughs> Jake? Your impression of, no, well. my impression of you, you know, it's, um, well, it's funny because I feel like you, you, I don't know if you remember this question, but I remember it. you asked me, well, what do you think, you know, if I moved into a sourcing recruiter and like, you know, how, how do you think I'd do? I remember that because it was like, you know, it was like the thing you struggle with is also like one of your, you know, best qualities, which is just your genuine, just kind of curious nature. And I mean, I think that the fact that we're on this call is it speaks a lot to that, right? You are someone that has a lot of curiosities and you just want to learn. And you can kind of tell with, with people when they're they're kind of really listening, right? And specifically when you're, you know, interviewing someone, you know, whether it be in a one-on-one conversation, you just, mm-hmm. you ask questions and I can tell like, you know, whereas I might ask that question to somebody for a general, because I think I'm supposed to right. follow the social contract. I feel like you actually just are genuinely interested in the answer and you want to learn. And so I, I feel really like, appreciate that, Jake. Yeah, you're just a very curious person, person in general and, and you like learning new things and you have all these hobbies and interests. And so I think that my my perspective has been pretty consistent, honestly. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, Jake. One of the reasons I wanted to have you, Jake, on this, I feel like you were one of my earlier catalysts for podcasting. Um, so if you remember, I, I hosted this internal Amazon podcast. And before that, I had asked you to be my mentor because I was exploring the recruiting path and you graciously agreed. And then you asked me to like set up a bunch of coffee chats with people, right? When I was having these conversations, I felt like I, I learned so much from each individual conversation. And I was like, 
why not try and turn these conversations um, into like a more shareable way so I can like also document my journey, reflect what I learned uh, throughout these conversations. So I have I you no to idea think that I was the catalyst, catalyst for, for that kickstarting all. that wow. and for being on my last podcast. The focus of that conversation was like, if you were a recruiting coordinator or someone who wants to be a tech recruiter, what does that journey possibly look like? Uh, but yeah, it was definitely very like career focused and you had a lot of like really great things to share. No, I remember many, many good conversations while you're trying to figure out what, what came next. And I mean, ultimately you went in a completely different direction, but sometimes that's, you know, that's kind of the best outcome, right? Like I've gotten to work with a lot of people that have, you know, I work with somebody that was a recruiter and now a software developer. That's like my favorite example. Um, you know, and then, yeah, you, you're, you're in like video advertising now, right? The yeah. Is not always I'm in linear, video now. You know? So yeah. it's, definitely a very, very different. Yeah. Back then I was looking at recruiting, but I, I did take a lot of really good tips. I learned a lot from you. Um, I think one of the random things that I learned from you (laughs) that I actually was able to apply to my business when I started video production, uh, like freelancing, Uh, you talked to me about the, the volume of candidates, you know, Amazon web services, Back then it was just like hiring like crazy. And so I think one of uh, the things that we talked about was just like making sure that you have enough like volume of people that you're reaching out to. And uh, I think back then I was a little bit timid about just like reaching out in general. So I was thinking, oh, maybe like a couple of people here and there. I was talking about the video production business because I was looking for leads and business leads. And as someone who's a little bit more shy about reaching out, is that like, oh, I need to make sure that my portfolio is perfect. I'm, I make sure like every single thing is perfect before I even send it out. Same with like, if I was looking for a job, like my cover letter was very, like, I wanted it to be so tailored, but I would err on the side of like overdoing it right? Because I wanted to make sure like whoever's reading this is like, is going to see like the, the most perfect version of me. It, it is a tricky balance. And, you know, there is that stigma of, you know, well, hey, did you even look at my profile? You didn't tailor my message, right? And things like that. And when you're running a recruiting team, you don't want to, you know, encourage poor behaviors and like people being sloppy or anything by any means. But I think the takeaway is just that it's, you know, you got to, you got to kind of shoot your shot. Right. And, and, you know, if, even if the message isn't perfect, right. You know, you, you honestly, little, little mistakes here and there are, are human. They are, you know, not necessarily always the most professional, but a slight misspelled word or like whatever is not, if somebody was going to respond to that message because they're potentially interested in the job, that's not going to stop them from responding to that message. So I think it is, I think it is the kind of the, the takeaway, in my opinion, is that mistakes are okay. And if you're too afraid to make those mistakes, and it means that you're going to be speaking to less people, um, that can really hold you back and slow you down. I agree with that. And I, I do think that my takeaway was more specific to how I know myself as mm-hmm. someone who tends to shy away a little bit, right, from that process. And so I, I personally found it like really helpful to like get past that mental 
hurdle, right. Of reaching Mm -hmm. out to people, just knowing that like, you're never, you can't ever expect a hundred percent. Like people are going to say no, people are going to reject you. People aren't going to ghost you, not look at your messages. Um, but just like the mental hurdle of like, oh, if I like tailor it a little bit more then suddenly, like this will open like a, a door or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, in my opinion, it's all about timing and, you know, Rob, it's like, if, if they're going to respond, they're going to respond. Yeah. I had a question for you, Jake, you've always been in like tech recruiting. So you work with a lot of candidates who are like in software, do you feel like you were able to clarify what direction you wanted to take? Or did it kind of feel like a lot of things were like pushing you in that direction? The fact that it was tech recruiting was honestly just sort of accidental. Now that I'm in it and I know about it, I I do want to stay in it. But, um, but yeah, definitely it wasn't intentional at all. In your opinion, is there an optimal, like what, what would be like some traits that you would want to see in your employee for for recruiters that i hired yeah how how, um, uh, how big was your team your last team at its peak it was 30 and then it was about it was about 23 and then kind of layoffs started peeling away so i was mostly looking for people that were that were honestly just hungry i, I mean it's you know it wasn't the most sophisticated approach i definitely could have tried to hire more senior individuals, but I was looking for people that, you know, had success in the agency recruiting environment. And because those environments are, from what I've heard, I thankfully have not been in one of them. I've heard they're brutal environments and you're just hammering the phones. Yeah. And you're just hammering the phones and they're hungry and they want to, you know, make it an an in-house corporate Mm -hmm. environment. Mm -hmm. And so that I really was just looking for folks that were hungry. But with that being said, I didn't just take agency recruiters. I took a lot of people that, you know, I had somebody that was, you know, previously, um, you know, they they were like, a, they were working at like a factory. I had somebody that was um, an accountant. I had somebody that was in sales. Yeah. So it's like, I, I took people, people from, from a lot of different backgrounds um, go into recruiting. It's yeah. Wow. So I, I, I took people from, you know, a bunch of different backgrounds. So it was the, but the, at the, like the peak of how many people we were hiring, you know, it was, you know, you had to take some chances and that was where I thrived. I love that because I feel like I was able to hire people that under normal circumstances, maybe we wouldn't have been able to bring on. We wouldn't have been able to find a way to make it work. And, you know, a lot of them came in and kicked ass. They did great. That's awesome. Yeah. What did you learn about your own management style? I mean, I definitely learned that like to, I, I have no problem putting people's success in their own hands and, and, you know, you can interpret that a bunch of different ways, right? Uh, but the truth is I was managing so many people that I, I didn't have time to handhold, right? So what I did though, I felt I gave everybody, you know, kind of, I, I, it was standardized in terms of, I gave them clear goals. I gave them clear targets during their ramp. I was ramping up so many people, right? And their targets through like their first 12 weeks were pretty clear, right? Um, but, you know, when I would meet with them every week in their ramp and I would, and I would, give feedback early and often, good feedback and, you know, hey, constructive, you know, feedback, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I guess I I kind of, I used to, when I started managing, I just, the idea that somebody that would be reporting to me was going to, was going to fail was like, a, it was something that made me so uncomfortable. I wasn't okay with it. But ultimately at the end of the day, you know, people's success or failure is in their own hands. 
I was comfortable with, you know, kind of the guidance I gave everybody, the support I gave everybody um, to the point where it's just kind of like, hey, you know, sink or swim. It's up to you, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and so I that's, think, that's I think people like that personally. Worked for you. Mm-hmm. I think people like that personally, you know, and, you know, not everybody loves that, but, um, you know, if, if they do really need a lot of handholding, maybe we're not the best partners, right. To, to, mm-hmm. for somebody to report into me. Right. Yeah. I, I do think that there's a huge importance in like fit. Do you have any tips for like how you can quickly assess fit? So for me, the best way to assess fit from a company perspective is figure out what your company values, what your company cares about. If you're still in existence, I'm sure you have an idea of what those things are. Right. Um, and you know, like think about, it might be your mission statement, your tenants. Right. And look for people that have those same values right and ask them and and i think there is a difference that you know you could hear that and you could think okay well maybe there's not enough kind of diversity of thought there right and things like that but you know make sure that there's there's kind of enough things that you value that you can have trade-offs you know i'm pretty biased because of my eight years at amazon but i think that the way they did it you know with they have their leadership principles and mm-hmm. they decide based on a balance of strengths in those leadership principles that they've seen and and weaknesses and yeah. you know by leadership principles i mean like you know the things that make you hear them deliver results customer reception mm-hmm. right yeah. like things like that so it's kind of um yeah and so i think as long as you have um sort of a framework and and you you as an interview team know what you're looking for uh you can you can make you know, you can give yourself a reasonable chance of success in, in finding, you know, the right person in that interview. Right. Are you a big fan of the star method? Are you a big believer in the the method? Yeah. You know, huge fan. I, you know, <laughs> I got, I got season tickets. Um, no, so I mean, star method is, yeah. I mean, I think it's just a, yeah, I do. I tell everybody to use that, that, um, you know, if I'm prepping them for an interview, I, I personally don't like always have people like break it down of, you know, situation, task, action, result, mm-hmm. exactly like that. It's really just a storytelling mechanism is what I tell everybody. It's just beginning, middle, end, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to- size. Yeah. And I mean, the big thing, I always just highlight the R, the end, the outcome, because a lot of people uh, will get so nervous in an interview that they'll just gloss over what even happened, right? That is true. Like, All right, well, what was the point of this story, right? So- and some people will, you know, some people will also for the result, the outcome will say, and then, you know, it was successful. And then that's where they stop. I, Jake, I still, I still use the star method when interviewing for like, I, last year, right. I was like going ham on like job search and I use the star method for almost every one of my interviews because uh, one also great reason to do it is if you are someone who likes to ramble. So it, I think it's really important just to like keep yourself on track. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. I just, I think it's as close to a universal truth in the interview process as, you know, exists out there because yeah. I saw one of your posts. Process, yeah. I, I remember um, one of your posts was using data and using anecdotes. And it, it made me think about when I was prepping as a job seeker, I was like, okay, uh, this is like a little stressful, but I'm going to like try and come up with like whatever data points that I can, that I think will 
be indicative or or will address the questions the best way right that was a little bit stressful but it's good to know that you can dive into anecdotal things and just like other means to like storytell no totally because i mean i i think that there's a another pitfall people like trap people fall into is they feel like they need to have data for everything and it's like we we understand you don't have data for everything that's just not a reality but give me as the if i'm interviewing you give me something in terms of you know how, how can i believe as a total stranger right here that what you did was successful mm-hmm. what evidence do you do you have you know and it might just be that the ceo at you know because you're a small company the ceo gave me a shout out in an all hands or something it literally might just be that or or it might just be it was used this many times the process that i made it's mm-hmm. not always it's not always a, you know it improved things by 70% and, you know, increased revenue by X dot, you know, so. Mm-hmm. How do you calm people's nerves, Jake? If you're prepping them and you know that they're super nervous or they're not like familiar with interviewing. Mm-hmm. I think the best, I, 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 funny enough, I, I mean, I think, I think the star method is, is a good, it, it does help with that because it, it helps yeah. rein people in, you know? And so I tell people, Hey, literally, if you need to say, so the situation was all the way through to the result, like, and the result of that was, you need to do that, you know, like, that's a tool that you can use that will help you know that you're on track. But then also the mindset of, and this is easier said than done, but I do think it's really important that you approach these conversations with the mindset of, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do my best. I prepared, I'm qualified for this job. And whatever happens, happens. And that's so, it's borderline impossible to do because when you're looking for a job, you know, nobody deals with rejection well. And especially if you're unemployed, you're like, you want it so bad. You want it so bad. But there's so many decisions that go into the hiring process, especially at smaller companies where they're literally, you might have done as perfectly as any candidate could do. And they may just lose funding for the position or they may just find somebody that, the manager just liked better on a personal level, even though the qualifications are or the interview process, you know, you did better. So it's kind of to, to just to hold yourself accountable to all of the randomness that is involved in the decision making process is it's really you got to get out of that. It's really hard to, though. You can't like yeah. necessarily have control or like prep for everything, but definitely like having enough prep and like enough interest, I feel like does go a long way, especially once you get to the interview process. And like, people can tell, I feel like people can tell when you have really like done your homework and like really researched a company or just like, you know, like little bits and pieces. Um, yeah. Like that really does go a long way and like helping you like lean towards success. Um, obviously there's no like foolproof, right? within Mm -hmm. interviewing the recruiting process of like ensuring that you'll just make it every time yeah i think just giving them the tools to be successful practice and then really just trying to trying to help people adjust their mindset which i can't even say that i i do that in every interview conversation you know what i mean like it's it's so hard there's a lot to yeah there's a lot to remember um i did want to go over i i saw that you started posting about Mm -hmm. interview prep advice on LinkedIn. So I personally really enjoyed reading your tips on like interviewing, just like 
And like the the travel blurb that you always remember to like add in at the end to like you just add a little bit more personal touch because mm. it's LinkedIn and people talk about work on LinkedIn all the time, right? Um, I think my first question was just why you wanted to do something like that in the first yeah. place. So it was uh, it was purely financially motivated, as most things in life are. Um, so I uh, I just I was trying to drive interest in getting clients for interview preparation um, because of my background as a recruiter and then also a bar raiser at Amazon. I do consider myself an ex- expert in the process, so I figured, hey, I'll see if this is valuable to anybody out there, and you know if I can try and make a little bit of a living off of this. So I, you know, after getting impacted by the layoffs, I think it was, you know, I kind of was, they, you work so hard at Amazon, you work so hard in AWS. I don't have to tell you that, um, that it was definitely the silence hit when I got laid off and I was like, well, now what do I do? And so there was almost no gap between, you know, getting laid off and me just deciding I was going to pursue this. Um, And so then I started to realize as I dug into that, that I needed to have more of a LinkedIn presence to yeah. actually get myself a real chance at um, to give myself a real chance at getting clients. Right. And I've had, a, I've had a couple clients. It's not a lot, you know, by any means, but I have had a few and I think they, they've all definitely, yeah. you know, benefited, but, um, but yeah, so, and then I started to think about, well, how can I go about posting this content in a way that is, actually sort of real and authentic to me, um, which is borderline impossible to do in social media, I feel like. Um, But basically, I had this trip coming up. I knew we had this trip coming up. And from the few clients I did have, I would send them a follow-up email with all these prep tips, right? And it was just, it was honestly like almost borderline stream of conscious. Like it was, it was not clean at all. But it was it was like a million bullet points, it seemed. And I was like, whatever, I'll just give these to all the clients. If it helps, it helps. If it doesn't, like, you know, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm sure it can't hurt. So um, then as I was thinking about, well, I could post about where I'm going and everything, I glanced at that list. And that list was like, it had about 15 bullet points and my trip was about 15 weeks. And I was kind of like, hey, like, this is a way that I think I could do this where it will feel kind of real and authentic to me. I think that these are, you know, these are tips that I've I've had kind of over my years. I'm not just coming up with them randomly out of like a need, right? So I think they're genuinely really good tips. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I kind of just worked on fleshing them out into actual kind of posts and and um, and everything. So yeah, and people responded really well to it too. And it, yeah. So it, you know, people responded better to some than others. Not as not as well as I would have liked because I would have liked to get actual clients out of it, right? So I wouldn't say I accomplished my goal per se, but at the same time, like it was good. To me, it was good because it was like, even if it doesn't gain traction, I don't get clients from it. It felt like it helped me stay visible while I was taking a break from really job important. searching. Yeah. Um, because I am on the market. I am looking for yeah. work, right? And so, front of mind is, yeah. Yeah, so I felt like that was a good way that it just, you know, there were times where I'm so uncomfortable, like just being like asking Emily, my girlfriend, to just be like, hey, take a picture of me here or whatever. And I got more comfortable with that along the way and everything. Yeah. But that never really felt. Well, that's best. good. A little bit of a chore. <laughs> that's good because you were traveling. Uh, so you need you need more pictures. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> um, um, but yeah. 
Yeah. Did, well, I mean, you, you shared a lot of uh, great tips on the LinkedIn and um, I'm sure you've had like some conversations just like from either like comments or people were just like um, DM you. Did you have a favorite post like you are very passionate about? Was there any tips that really like stuck out to you that you feel like if this was like a candidate that mm-hmm. I am working with right now, like I would absolutely make sure that he knows this information. So I think that one that I felt like was more of my unique take stands out to me is just, hey, before you interview with a company, right, try and, um, you know, go and understand the company philosophies and prepare questions from those company philosophies, right? You like deliver results for Amazon. It's like, look at, you know, kind of when you actually deliver results is one way. That's kind of the obvious. The other way is a time where you really didn't deliver results. And then the third way is maybe a time where the situation just made it really difficult, right? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of ambiguity, but you found a way anyways. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that way of me breaking down kind of how to look at each philosophy, mm-hmm. I do feel like is actually something that I came up with by myself over the years of just talking to candidates. So, um, and, and I think that it's, it is maybe the most helpful and it actually got the most traction on oh that's great yeah reposts and shares because i do think it is a little bit of a more unique take whereas some of the other ones were you know things people had heard and stuff like that but need to be reminded of yeah oh and then actually real quick i talked about how you can kind of prepare now at work by asking yourself some common interview questions every day Uh and the reason that i like that one is that it seems kind of obvious right prepare now prepare early often all of that but I just feel that becoming better in the interview process and becoming an expert in the interview process actually helped me re- restate my thinking in my day-to-day about what's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a, in a kind of every now and then might help you kind of when you're in a tough conversation or a tough position, right? Where mm-hmm. you're not sure what direction to go. Yeah. Um, and if you kind of challenge yourself in that moment and you think to yourself, well, how would I explain this to somebody else? Right. That sometimes can be a little bit of a nudge and motivation for you to you find- have that hard conversation, maybe, yeah. for example, right, of asking for help from your manager or, you know, giving feedback to a direct report if you're a manager when, you know, where, where it would have been easier to just punt it down the road and just, you know, hope it resolves itself, right? And it's kind of like, mm-hmm. well, what did you do to try and, so I think that, that, yeah, that one stands out as well, just because it, it really, I do feel that interviewing has really changed how I approach my day-to-day. I agree. I was just going to say it kind of relates to a lot of people tend to forget their own accomplishments too, right? Like Mm -hmm. little things that you do on a sometimes daily basis or like small wins. I feel that a lot of people don't really celebrate those nearly as much or like in in detail. So Mm -hmm. over time, like you have all these like great accomplishments, but I feel like when you're actually interviewing, when you're actually like looking for a job, a lot of people are very like rusty. Like they have to like suddenly come up with like all, all the examples that they uh, they've done in the past like five years or so and that's really hard to come up with um, mm-hmm. so just like having like a small folder of like your accomplishments or just like anything to like kind of document like jog your memory of certain things that you've done I think can also be like really helpful no totally agree I wanted to transition the conversation to your own post Amazon journey and 
what some things that you might have learned. I know you were unfortunately impacted by those tech layoffs and whatever you're comfortable sharing. I'd love to hear a little bit about your um, thought process and next steps. I think, um, you know, for better or worse, the getting laid off, you know, wasn't a, it wasn't, wasn't a surprise. I didn't actually think I was going to get laid off because I'd been there for so long and I had a good reputation, all, all that good performance, but um, just where the ships fell. So I, I knew it was a possibility. So then as we got closer, I sort of had funny enough convinced myself that I was going to be fine. I was one of those people. I was like, ah, oh, no, I'm not going to get cut. And then I got cut and it was very surprising, but yeah. it was kind of like, you know, we were like, you know, uh, we just talked and it was like, all right, we're, we can break our lease. We can go do this. We can stay with family to kind of offset some of the costs, right? Look at things financially. And it was like, why, just why not sort of, right? Why not? And I think in hindsight, it definitely was, it was a really great thing for me because I did get approached, you know, three or four weeks after from like two different opportunities that were pretty promising that I think I maybe could have gotten the jobs, right? And then I just would have jumped right back in and, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had the break. Yeah. Um, and so it, 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 it kept me from jumping on anything too quickly. It, it allowed me to be, you know, kind of really careful about my next move and everything, which hopefully I don't regret. Hopefully I have a job in a few months. Right. But, um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, it, it really, I realized when we got there that I hadn't really started to process the layoff at all, weirdly enough, just because I was still talking to a lot of the same people that still worked there. And I was still trying to spin up business for like coaching. And so I kind of just moved on to the next thing mentally mm -hmm. and just being in that totally different time zone. Um, really not talking to anybody because of those time differences. Um, it really enabled me to actually just kind of check out mm -hmm. and, and, and process. And it was, yeah, it was really cool. What's your reflection after, you know, eight years straight of recruiting? Um, that is a, a very large question. Um, I, I remember in the, in the one internship I had, it was like, a yeah, it was like 10 hours a week in the summer of my senior year or before my senior year. The only internship I had, this one person that was like, honestly, he was, he was probably pushing 70, still working. Um, he's probably going to retire soon. He just like, you know, a lot of, a lot of you, you kids, you know, you just, you feel like you got to get the perfect job right out of school and that, you know, all of this stuff and that it's, you know, and he was like, just get a job. He was like, just get a job, get experience in anything and just go from there. And at the time I didn't really have any real plan or anything. I, I was, you know, just trying to get experience to then figure it out later. Right. And, um, I, it, it's funny cause I both, I both agree with him in hindsight and disagree with him in hindsight in the sense that it's just like, you know, I got into this recruiting path very rare that people intentionally do, but, you know, I applied to that RC job, right. And things like that. And mm -hmm. now eight years later, like I just, I'm in the career recruiting, right. Like I, I think I'm going to stay in it. You know, I, I do, I do like it. I, I do feel that there's possibly other things out there that I might like better. I just don't know. And so part of me is like, you know, I'm, I almost wonder if I was a little more thoughtful then about what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. where would I be? But on the flip side of that, you know, I'm very happy with how life has gone, how it's worked out. And, um, you know, I, I feel fortunate that I found something that I enjoy and um, 
in, in what I enjoy about it, there are some boring technical things that I really find interesting, but it's more so about the people that I've gotten to work with over these years. That's the reason that I've stayed in the role. And so, um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know if that is a reflection or, or any thought or anything. I don't know if there's yeah. anything to take away from that, but I guess those are some of the things that come to mind. I was thinking about how, uh, I think it's been said, like the difference of how Americans view their, the role of their career in, yeah, in the way that they introduce themselves versus like Europeans, for example, totally. and yeah. just how immediately, like, you don't, you don't even talk about family or anything else. You're just like, my name is Jake. This is what I do. And then everything mm. else kind of just like comes much later. Right. So then right. if that's your first impression of someone, like when you meet them at a party or whatnot, then that's all they remember about you. Like mm. that's the focus. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely, um, something that I've had, you know, you say issue with my entire life is that I just try and, you know, for the first 19 years or 20 years of my life or whatever, it was just, I was a lacrosse player and, you know, that's what I did. And it was kind of my excuse not to do anything else. And then I got into the workforce and now it's just like, okay, well, I, you know, that's my job and I, I don't need anything else. I don't need any other hobbies. I'm just gonna, you know, yeah, like I'm, that's just what I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, so I mean, I do think that I, it's definitely something that um, I, I agree with your perspective on it 100%. That was definitely one of the things that was interesting about spending the time in Europe that we did. Um, and it's something I want to work on for sure. But it is also, yeah, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot to rewire and kind of a lot of bad habits to unlearn because that's one of my first questions as well to people is, you know, what, what do you do, right? Or, or saying maybe what I do. And I think not having a job right now and kind of like, you know, that pushing me into the tiniest bit of a, you know, kind of identity crisis, I think is, is, is good for me. You know, I, I can't say it's been good every day, but it's, it's definitely been good for me. And um, I, I do hope and, and plan to get back into the workforce soon, but um, that is something I want to keep thinking about and working on for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. It's a lot of, it's been a lot of, um, you know, just changes nonstop this year. That's mm -hmm. been a lot to, to wrap my head around and everything. So, yeah, I really like hearing your, um, your like opinion based off of like your recruiting experience and just like what, what your hot takes are people who are like interviewing and all that kind of stuff. Cause I, I feel like it's always going to be relevant. There's always people like, um, in different scenarios, part of your life where you need to be mm -hmm. looking for a job and things like that. And it's always good to like, yeah. I guess, keep certain things in mind um, just so that like you can be prepared for the next stage of your life. So. Yeah. Well, I, I love to hear myself talk. So it's a win-win really. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll catch up and chat more, um, but <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you for taking your yeah. time and recording this episode with me. Um, Thanks for inviting me. And thank you for tuning into this episode. Um, I'm happy that you got to listen to one of my earlier guest episodes and hopefully you got some takeaways as far as the interview tips that Jake shared and if you want to follow along and hear more episodes like this please give us a follow on whichever platform you're listening to this on